Welcome back to the Charlie Music Podcast. This is episode six. My name is Kyle. We've got CJ here tonight. CJ, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing okay. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's been a week already, and we're only like it, halfway through. Well, we're more than halfway through. It, yeah, a little more. One more day left. Yeah. So, but yeah. Otherwise, good. Yeah. yeah, it's been it's been a week. <laughs> it's been several weeks. Um, so... I've just been fighting my allergies all week, which is why I sound the way I sound. Gotcha. Probably gotcha, better yeah. than normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't feeling well last night, which is a normal night to record, so um, that put us off for this week. So, um, not that it matters, but no. yeah. yeah. So doesn't matter. So we are recording this on May fourth. Right. Yes, and I brought up an. Uh, um, a musician last week that I thought we could play a little bit of. We haven't played anything in our podcast in a few episodes. No, we have last season. So um, I brought up Derek Paravicini, who was a blind autistic pianist. Okay. And he does an arrangement of Star Wars that I thought we could kind of play because it's we're recording this on May 4th. Sure. It's not coming out on May 4th, but that'd be fun to listen to. Let's so do let's it. Uh, jump on over to Mr. Derek Paravicini. So that was Derek Paravicini. So, just an amazing, amazing musician. So, I uh, remind he's he has no formal training, or he has. Formal so he was he has formal training. Okay. Um, 
but I mean, obviously can't read music, no. but you know, he has a, he has, he's had a teacher since he was, I think eight or so, but you know, a specialized teacher that had to learn how to teach him right. because he's blind right, and right. you know, um, he's, it's, it's, it's as a pianist, if you watch like his fingering, it's all wrong, wrong. You know, I use the bunny ears for that because, um, you know, he, he just does it the way it feels right to him. And it's just, I, maybe it's the motor skills too that you know like when you do a scale it's usually you do you do one two three under he does scales one two one two one two all the way up right um because he can do it faster but so what i was interested in and and i you know like we know ray charles we know stevie wonder where they play and they bob and they, they swerve to the music mm-hmm. and whatever what i thought was interesting was the way when he was playing when he was playing certain parts he he turned his ears to the piano mm-hmm. and i'm curious if that's just like getting into the music and the groove or was it his way of listening to what he's doing at that moment it could also be his autism because because the moving like that like that is okay. a, a symptom of autism true so. true but i i feel like it was more musical than that could have been like even there was even the part when he brought his hand like those that are going to see this in visual can i'm sure you're going to put the link for the video yeah i'll, I'll, the, I'll definitely put the link in the show there's notes, a part where so. he comes down to the middle of the piano and his hands are almost on top of each other and he is mm-hmm. focused in such a way that he knows he's playing that middle, but as soon as his hands go out mm-hmm. to the to the high and the low, that's when he starts yep. to move his ears again. And I, I'm curious yep. if there's a if there's a reason for it. I mean, yeah, it's still impressive. <laughs> like it doesn't yeah. doesn't change yeah. anything, but yeah, yeah. So, what do you listen to this week? Anything different? Um, no, I've been I was doing I was playing Victor Wooten. I've been listening to mm-hmm. the audio book. To kind of get it in my head. I'm actually in the second book now on the audiobook. And I'm getting caught back up to where I was. I kind of started re-listening to it again. And, you know, uh, like I said, I've been kind of sharing music at work. So we've been listening to show tunes. Little mm-hmm. Tori Amos. We did some 80s rock. Just kind of stuff that kind of blends to the day. You know, mm-hmm. something maybe a little bit upbeat. Because, you know, we got to get moving. You know, stuff that helps us kind of like focus. Have a little fun. Um, yeah. Again, like I said, that's that's shared, so it's like like I have one earbud in. Um, mm-hmm. I typically don't get we I don't get a lot of phone calls, so um, or when we do, it's like you know you'll get a bunch of phone calls and then they'll it'll be dead for the day. And everything's through email, so we have the opportunity to kind of do that. I mean, we're we're aware of what's going on, but um, right, right. You know, I don't want to disturb other people. Where I won't, I don't I won't put a speaker on my desk and listen to. Uh, I can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's. It's uh you know just same stuff. How about yourself? Um, for the most part, the same stuff. Um, I did a little Dave Weckl this week and a little bit of Return to Forever. Oh, nice. But, um, yeah, that's about it. And I know this is coming out like a week after, but to acknowledge the um passing of Gordon Lightfoot. Mm, um, yes. which it's funny because we were both talking about like how much do we really know? We actually know a lot more of his music than we realized. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um in the, fact the one song that I've been thinking about covering is one of his yeah. songs. <laughs> and uh, uh so. so when this comes out the Sunday before we went live, uh we've put some focus on his music to sh- to to kind of play in memory. And like I said, a lot of there's a lot of songs that he has done that we will know. And mm-hmm. it's funny cuz he does I don't he does a version of um the now I can't remember that eerie song that uh 
that that punch brothers do the the, the wreck the shipwreck that's what I, that's what i was talking about oh with that, ver- he wrote that, that song that. okay yeah, yeah yeah he wrote that oh he wrote it i wasn't he wrote it i know he's a writer i didn't realize he wrote mm-hmm. that particular song okay he wrote that okay. yep that answers the question so uh yeah if yep. you had the pleasure of listening in thank you because uh we're looking forward to you know we looked forward to sharing that and and putting yep. his music out there so uh mm-hmm. and then um yeah I don't have anything else to share on that either. There's like nothing else going. It's just been busy at work, so I just haven't had the yeah. opportunity to really enjoy as much as I like. I hear you. Waiting for the weather to get warmer so I can sit outside, put a speaker, a speaker out, a speaker, a sp- mm-hmm. put a speaker out. You know, maybe light a fire and just sit and listen mm-hmm. to some music. Yeah, I've got chairs I'm wanting to put together so I can do the same yeah because i don't really have anything outside yet but. or even just go outside and read just nice yeah you know? and i really that's what i want to do is just kind of sit out there with the dogs but i don't really have a place to sit yet so and i do um, want to share we were talking about tom brown because of one of the mm-hmm. uh chapters so i'm sharing through the video uh tom brown grandfather which is a, a yep. book that he wrote and it's a, a native american's lifelong search for truth and harmony with nature and my wife happened to find it at Barnes and Nobles, and I said, "Just pick it up. I don't care. Just pick it up." Like it just. Yep. So I'm, I'm. Once I'm done with the the spirit of music, the second Victor Wooten book, I think I'm going to jump into this. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's it's not a it's not a large book. Like I, no. it's only a couple hundred pages. Yeah. So I, I have a feeling I can probably enjoy it, knock it out, and like you know, for all I know, it becomes another. Tell me, tell me when you start it, and I'll start it mine too, because I've got a copy of it back. Of there grandfather. Closet, so. Yeah. Okay, let me yeah, let me get through the the music lesson audiobook just so I get it in my head cuz I the I haven't really read that book. So when I do that, I'll let you know. Cool. Cool. So, do we jump into it? As soon as I get my Kindle to start working. This <sighs> technology. There we go. It's always a problem with technology. Yeah, I, I put a, a USB switch on so I didn't have to use two different keyboards and that failed instantly. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, so we're on measure six dynamics most people play louder to get someone's attention but getting quieter can stop a bull from charging did you read that measure six is dynamics i thought so oh well maybe i I didn't i'm repeating it if you did so measure six i probably didn't i did i (laughs) I did introduce myself. You did introduce yourself. That. That, that's fine. All right. So measure six is <laughs> dynamics, which I think that quote now makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> so it's funny. This is another chapter. This is a long chapter. This is mm. another chapter that I was going into it. And I'm like, what am I going to pull out of this? Because mm-hmm. I because of reading the book before, there's not. But then you you know you kind of read through it and you're like, oh okay, yeah, this I'm taking that yeah. out of it. So, but I'm going to let you begin because you have that wonderful Kindle. So the beginning of the chapter kind of kicks off and, and picks up where we left off with the rocks. And we kind of talked about it a little bit last week where um, they go inside and, and, and Michael is looking for a specific CD that Victor Wooten has. Um, but he makes him find it with his eyes closed. You know, and and Victor tries to find a whole bunch of CDs, and and Michael had his eyes closed as well. And every time Victor chose one, he'd say, "Nope, wrong one." And sure enough, he was right each time. But um, he was looking for Curtis Mayfield's Superfly. And for those that don't know, um, 
Victor Wooten actually opened up for Curtis Mayfield when he was four. So he's almost yeah. he's almost sixty years old. Yeah, that's crazy. That meaning meaning uh, Victor Wooten's almost sixty. Yeah, because he was born in I think nineteen sixty four sixty five. That's something that sounds right. Yeah. And he was born on September eleventh. Right. That's I remember us talking. Yes, we were talking about that. I I do have a line that comes in on page one eighteen. I know your pages are a little off. I, I yeah, uh, okay, go for it. So it gets down to after um, he was trying to get the CD, like The Rock, but um, Michael, you know, when he was getting to start it, Michael gives him more instructions. He goes, this time you should not feel your emo- for your emotion. You should feel for his. Mm. And, and for me, the reason why that stood out is because it, throughout the book, he talks about how when you put music out there, it's out there. And it puts a little bit of you out there, mm-hmm. right? And that bit of you is now out there at all times. So every time that we technically performed or we recorded music or whatever, a piece of us are, is now out there. And it and right. whether it was recorded or not, it's still out there. It's in the vibrations mm-hmm. are out there. And I think yep. that kind of resonated with me because it makes a lot of sense now if you as you read about it. it you think about it like if you're singing an al- if you're doing this album, and I would think nowadays you may question, but in most cases back in the day when they were cr- recording an album, there was a lot of emotion going into those albums. Oh yeah, you know, and and they they got to be trapped in there somehow. Like there's that energy, mm-hmm. that vibration's got to be trapped in there. So that 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 line stood out to me too. Yeah, for, and, for, and a few pages later, he says, um, "Emotion is stored inside music on every CD." And even if the CD is sitting on the shelf, it can be felt. Learning to discern the emotions of each artist is the trick. Right. Um, so then he says, he goes on, leaving further, he says, Have you ever noticed when you hear a song such as Amazing Grace that makes you feel different? You can tell there is something special dwelling within that song. Well, there are tons of emotions stored in there, and if you knew the origin behind the particular song, it would make the, make complete sense to you. And it's funny because I think Amazing Grace as a song, now, whether you're religious or not, it's an impactful song just mm-hmm. because of the way it's written. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and then Victor actually says, after, like states that he's known this song to be special and he says, every time I hear it, I feel quieter and calmer. It's similar to the mm-hmm. feeling I get every time I walk into the woods or walk in the woods. Yep. Yep. And it's funny. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this last time. Uh, the last time, but the other day I went outside. It was nice out. It was the first time I kind of like walked out barefoot in a while because it, it's been chilly and the ground is. Not that I don't walk out barefoot in cold weather. I'm kind of an idiot mm-hmm. when it comes to that. But well, yeah, we know that. Uh, but I went and I took a moment and I stepped on grass and dirt to like ground myself to take that moment. Mm. And it was such a great feeling to 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 do that and it's you know i don't have woods by me but i i can only imagine being able to go mm. into the woods and and just kind of hear nature's music around you right right and the Ama- amazing grace is a special song for victor and one of his one of his big hits or what propelled him to where he was was his arrangement of amazing grace um and if you've never heard it it's something that you definitely want to check out he does it on the Live at the Quick album for Bella Fleck and the Live Art album by Bella Fleck. Both both versions are fantastic. It's it's beautiful, um, especially you hear yeah. it on a bass the way he plays it. 
Mm, yeah. Yes. And it comes back in the in the second book. Um, I don't know if you've gotten to that part. I don't think so. Okay. So there's a part in the in the book where Victor becomes injured. Okay. And Michael plays Amazing Grace for him to heal him because it says it's your song. Oh yeah. Like, this is this is the one that resonates most with you. Right. I'm not at that point yet because Michael has not been reintroduced okay. yet. So that's good. I, I look forward to to getting to that part. Yeah. Um. I, I, going forward, he gives a little bit of history of the song, but then he goes. And then um, what he does not talk about the history of that song. There's actually two versions of that song, and most people don't know it. There's a northern version and a southern version. Well, he gives the words um, are the same. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, he doesn't give a history. He talks about us the story that he heard. Okay, go ahead, right. go, go ahead and say what you're gonna say. So there, there's actually two different versions. There's a northern version and a southern version. We know the southern version. Okay, um, but there's actually a northern version, and the melody is actually a lot prettier, I think. But um, interesting. Maybe it's something we should bring up on the the live show, yeah, and and play it. Huh. I didn't know, that. I didn't know. That's very cool. Look, I just learned something. You educated yep. me, or should I say, I'm full of useless knowledge. Are you educated me? That's right. you have taught. You have shown me. You have taught me nothing. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um. Moving forward, Michael says, I'm talking about vibrations and how strongly they can be felt. And then he says, most people would say that the man who wrote the song, um, the man wrote the song, and I thought this was very interesting, when actually the situation he was in created it. He just happened to be aware enough to pick up on it. So I must, that, you know, going to the to the idea that Michael believes that or states that we're not creating a song. We're not writing it. It's something that's already there and it's something that's prompting us. So we're mm-hmm. not, our brain is not creating things. It's just finding things that are already there. Right. And it's so true because a lot of songs are situational. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of songs think- that are that out there that are just plain crap. There's no other way to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like our national anthem was was written that way, you know. It was Francis Scott Key was right, you know, watching the rockets in the air, and he wrote the Star Spangled Banner. Like right, that's how that was written. Right, it's and I sang that once. Yeah, yeah. Then I got slapped in the butt by the coach and the football team. Yeah, well, it was, you know. it was the oddest thing ever. It was at CW Post too. <laughs> I we, you tell I don't me remember. About it. I don't know if you remember that if you, you told were, me about it i don't know yeah about like I we i started the pep band yeah. with the with the con- the yep. conductor there and mm-hmm. they needed someone to sing they're like will you sing it i'm like yeah i'll go sing it so i went out and sang it not really you know from when we were going to college like you don't always have to mic somebody mm-hmm. so they mic'd me and this was uh, at the time my ex girlfriend. She wasn't in the stadium, but she was outside the stadium. She goes, "We heard you," because <laughs> so, you were so biked, and because of how strong your voice was, we heard you like out of the campus. Like that's how far it is. <laughs> and then I walked off, and the the coach wound up his hand and went, "What well, bam to back?" I was like, "I have to go sit down now and play the saxophone. I can't do that." <laughs> but oh man. So, and then Victor says, so the situation wrote the song. So, I don't know if you have anything after that. I have a couple of lines. Um, 122 is my next. 
you, we're on page 122, so where are you on that? Okay. Uh, a vibration is nothing until it has something to bounce off of. This, again, is yin-yang. In order to have something, you must first have something else. The song already existed. He has something else that allowed... He was the something else that allowed it to exist then and there. Being the conduit. Yes. It's... And this whole... And that's the whole crazy part about reading this book, about how we're just conduits for music. Mm-hmm. Which is why when you think about musicians you get this mindset that they're a certain way because of what media has done and media presents themselves as saying this is a musician Mm -hmm. but then you go out there and you meet all these other people that are musicians and you look at them like yeah totally makes sense because it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter it doesn't matter who you are right you know if you are connected to it in such a way you can be a conduit. Right. You know, just like we can be a conductor of electricity. <laughs> you know, we could be a conduit of music. Yep. Yep. I think it's interesting because Victor talks about how it's hard for him to understand that concept of vibrations. Mm-hmm. Um, which I love the fact that he puts it in there. Like, there's, yeah. it's not like, oh, yeah, I totally get it. No, it's, it's, he's like, I still can't grab the concept. And to the point where it makes him frustrated, which yeah. I love that is in there too. And when mm-hmm. you hear him do um, do the audiobook, like he shows, like he's very good at like acting out his own lines, of course. But I love that it's there, and it's not just coming mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, it was. Uh, I totally got that. You know, it was no, 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 no. This, this, this sucked, and I couldn't figure it out. You right. know, but he, but Michael does say, "Have you ever had an idea you didn't act on, only to find out later that someone else did?" In other words, someone stole your idea all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. Yep. And he, Michael continues to say, and, and this is why I, I, this is so, and I think this was so important to read. Your idea is never yours alone. It's in the air for anyone to pick up. Actually, when you think about an idea, it grows stronger, making it easier for others to feel it too. Ideas create vibrations and these vibrations can be felt in music. Stating Amazing Grace is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yep. Yep. And then a little bit further on, he says, um, you know, talk more about vibrations. It is more like, it is much, let's try that again. It is much like looking at a photograph of someone who is special to you. The age of the photograph does not matter. The person's vibrations can still be felt. Sometimes the older the picture, the stronger the vibrations. That's so powerful, mm. like just the, that idea. And and how how many times have you seen an old picture and you're just kind of like, that's intense, mm. you know? Because if you think and 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 depending upon how old you got, I mean, even back in the day when photography was so new, mm. right? And they were doing these for like the ones where you know that the person has actually died in. I was just going to ask you <laughs> a question: do, do you see the difference in pictures after people have died? Okay, so I was talking about something. So you're talking about like, okay, that's interesting. I never thought of it. I was talking about the actual photographs back in the day that when someone passed, Mm -hmm. they would prop them and set them up, and they would take a picture with the family, so they would wouldn't they they were actually dead in the picture. But you're actually Mm -hmm. asking if you have a photograph and you look at a photograph after someone's passed away, like a family member or whoever, someone an elder, whoever. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, it, 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 it feels different to me looking at them after they've passed. Oh, yeah. I think I, I don't know absolutely. why or, how, or what's different, but it just it's just different. Because, it's weird. Because my thought, not, I'm not saying this is the true thing. My thought is when you're looking at a picture at this moment in time and that person is still alive, especially nowadays, you can reach out to them and be like, hey, do you remember the time we went and did mm. this? And you're oh, yeah, I got a picture of it, man. You got to see this picture. And I think now... If that person's gone, you're looking at the picture and you now that mad the memory is trapped in time. Right. And whoever was a part of that memory is trapped in that one moment. Right. So if it's just that individual person and you're the one who took the photograph because it was of a grandparent or a family or a friend or whatever, you're the only one who knows of that moment. Yeah. That's just my thought. It's that it, it's that moment it's that it's like that whole those tribes that are scared of photography because they feel like it's going to take your soul. Yep. Like it's that whole and the like, Amish. I'm sorry. And the Amish. And the Amish, right? That whole yep. concept. I I I think it goes down to. I feel it has to do with that. Is that that moment's just trapped in that picture, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful thing. Don't get me wrong. It's just yeah. You don't have that person to share it with anymore. You could take right. that picture, and I can go to you. Hey Kyle, you got to check out this picture. I took this of my grandfather, and we were, you know, we were playing, um, we were playing music, and I mean, this just I, the whole moment. But it's I'm not talking about it. We did this like three years ago. I'm talking about the fact that he's passed, and this is what we did. Mm-hmm. And say, so, yeah, no, I totally get that. Yep, definitely, definitely a different feeling. Um, a little further down, I don't know if you have anything after that, but a little further down, and you can tell me if I skipped you. If you knew how to go inside, how to go within yourself, it would come very, it would come very quickly and easily to you. Meaning, understanding um, how sensitive you are. Uh, that is why I urge you to pursue meditation and mind exercises. You already have a great deal of sensitivity. All people do. Maybe not enough to do what I just did, but enough to understand what I'm talking about. Now, I read that, underlined it, listened to it on the audiobook. And I started taking five minutes a time at work to meditate mm-hmm. at my desk. Yeah. Because there are sometimes my anxiety gets so bad. And we've mm-hmm. talked about this. And I have overthinking thoughts, racing thoughts. Everything comes together. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let this be. I'm not going to let this dictate my day. I can't. So right. I take five minutes. I take my glasses off. I shut my eyes. And I sit at my mm-hmm. desk. And I just focus on my breathing. You know, I don't go anything crazy, but mm-hmm. I've been thinking of using the space behind me and and setting it up so I can actually come in here and meditate. Nice. Yeah, because uh, I used to do it, you know, I mean, yeah. in my own way. I'm not saying I was amazing at it, but it helped me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about yourself because I know you do it or you taught it and whatever. I've, I've, I haven't done it in a long time and I've got people at work who want me to teach it. And I'm like, I haven't done it. I mean, I could certainly teach it, but. I feel weird teaching it because I'm not practicing it. Well, how about this? What if we um, create a few YouTube videos mm-hmm. of this? Sure. Like I can work with you on it, you know, yeah. um, or you can do it on your own if you want. But why not? Like even they could be shorts. They could be a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, and like getting back into the practice of things. Yeah. Like. I, I'm out of practice. I remember mm-hmm. when I used to do it, how much of an impact it made and how much it changed 
whether it was 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or 30 minutes, where after I was done, I was like, okay. Like, it's almost like looking at, well, not that you know, because your things are organized and there's no cable management, but <laughs> it's like looking at your desk and you have papers everywhere and you have folders everywhere. And that's your that's your brain, that's your thought, that's your anxiety, that's your overthinking. And you take a mm-hmm. moment, you breathe, and you focus on your breathing, and all that stuff gets filed away where it needs to go, and it's now organized. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's kind of like what I was, what I worked on was reorganizing my brain so things weren't all over the place, and I was able to piece them together and figure mm-hmm. out what was causing the anxiety or whatever the case may be. So yeah, I I would be that's interested. A good idea. Maybe. Let's Leah. Let's let's talk about doing like a series of meditations. I mean, you put them up on YouTube too. So, yeah, I like it. We can even do like, um, like when we go live, we can take a five minutes and have everybody like breathe with us. Yeah, I'd be gonna become hippie gurus. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, can you grow your hair? Never mind. <laughs> no, Aww. definitely can't grow out the hair. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> your beard just gets longer <laughs> and i one, one, what's funny is after that victor does ask he goes i already have a great deal of sensitivity you know like can you show me how to make that happen and i i feel mm-hmm. like victor as a person probably has always been this sensitive person yeah and that's what he struggled with is the fact that he was mm-hmm. sensitive and I I'm a sensitive person. Like I'm not, and I know you are. Like we play it a lot, but I know we both are, and that's what mm-hmm. affects us a lot. And I I when I read this, I'm sitting here going, yeah, no, I totally understand that. Like I yeah. I'm sensitive. Yeah. Oh no, I totally like. How do I figure this out? Like, how do I make that work? Yeah, I just yeah. totally shared that Kyle's a sensitive guy. What else is new? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know where you go after this. Uh, 124. Okay, go for it, man. Uh, so this, they're talking about um, hands. Um, and so the, 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 the exercise that Michael did was they played a song by Curtis Mayfield and he had Victor use the speakers to feel it in his hands as, and he had him spin around with his eyes closed so he could tell by feel where the, where the music was coming from. Then he turned the the volume of the speakers all the way down so he couldn't hear anything, but he could still feel when he faced the speakers, he could feel something out of his, you know, in his hands. Um, and Michael says that it was the, it was the emotion coming through, you know, even though it was, you know, there was no volume, the emotion was still coming through the speaker. Just the, the sound volume was turned down. The dynamics were low, but the intensity was still there of the emotion. So he said, um, what is the first thing you do when you get injured? He didn't give me a chance to think. Before you think, you touch it with your hands. It doesn't matter if your injury is or someone else's. You feel the urge to touch it. Why is that? Again, he didn't wait for an answer. It is because of an ancient memory, an instinct you have about your hands. This memory knows that your hands are sensitive and that they have a healing ability. So your hands immediately spring into action as soon as, they, as let's say, a bee stings you. It happens before you think. Um... And then he goes on a little bit while later. He says, the hands seem to have a desire of their own. They also react when you are in love. You have a desire to touch the person you are in love with. You also have a desire to touch the one you hate, albeit in a different way. 
The desire is still there. Children desire to touch everything too. They touch with their feet, noses, or any part of their bodies. They love to touch. Now here's an exercise that will show you how to reach out and touch. Um, and again, you know, we're talking about kids. We talk about how kids are, you know, learn languages faster. They can learn music faster than adults can, you know, because they're more open and more receptive. Yeah, it's amazing how, but it's, I mean, it's true. I, I know that when I hurt myself, the first thing I'm doing is like, go on to touch it, figure out what the hell mm-hmm. happened. Yep. You know, like. I had a I had a lead door hit me in the head, and the first thing I did I did once was put my hand up, and I'm like, oh, there's my bone. You know, like it's like like you're just you're automatically, but it's true. Like the concept is the fact your hands are the most sensitive, mm-hmm. and that's that's really what it boils down to. And and I you know as as Kyle explained the the little bit of the story is that the music's playing and he has his hands out and he can feel that vibration and it goes on where he lowers the volume, but he has Victor do like 360s and yeah. and as he does, does the 360s he said that there's a huge difference to when he's in front of the speaker versus when he's out and what that reminded mm-hmm. me of and i'm sure you remember is when at my wedding to my you know my my wedding mm-hmm. we had a, it was half deaf people and half my family and there's a lot of deaf people dancing and i think they even talk about this in the uh in the book a little bit and it's the idea that we put the speakers on the floor, not that we needed to, but we did it to enhance the vibrations and everyone danced. And there was mm-hmm. probably more deaf people dancing than hearing people, which I yep. thought was amazing. And even mm-hmm. our little flower girl was like trying to figure out where the vibrations were coming and she loved it. And, mm-hmm. you know, where as, as she, as she walked, she started going closer to the speaker because she felt the vibration get heavier or harder or heavier or harder or whatever and then she put her hand mm-hmm. on the speaker and she had the biggest smile on her face and she was so mm-hmm. happy and it's like that whole concept to me it was always something that was very interesting to me but to see it in play which is amazing yeah. it's such a cool yeah. thing to see when when you're not hearing the music but you're still enjoying the music right and that I mean, that's just, it's like the wind. You can enjoy the wind. You don't have to mm-hmm. see it. You don't have to hear it. You can just feel it, you know? And uh, yeah, that, that this whole, this whole moment was very cool music, cool, cool moment. Mm. I don't know if you were going to read what actually happened, but I, you know, were you going to read the, what, what he does? No, you go for it. Well, I wasn't really going to read it. I mean, I think we explained it. Yeah. Um. Okay, so but what he does, he does say one thing. Hold on a second, did I skip through this? Hold on a second. So he explains, you know, slowly turn towards this, the the speaker, right? And then he tells him to keep playing the music, but he turned on the volume and repeat that same exercise where he kept moving. And you know, after that whole entire process, Michael goes, I mean, Victor goes, wow. What was that? Like, like he was like, it was like opening up a present on Christmas Day, he says. He goes, mm-hmm. and Michael goes, emotion, energy, vibration, life, love, music, call it what you want. The fact that you could feel it, even when you couldn't hear it, is what's important. You now know something is there. Know that something mm-hmm. is there. And then he, Michael continues to say, when vibrations are coming out faintly from an object, like speakers, for instance... Our first reaction may be to turn up the volume. Another approach would be to turn up our own volume 
a receiving volume. Do you catch yourself doing that? Mm-hmm. All the time. I do it all the time. It's really bad. Sometimes, like, it's like when you hear someone's voice, like, you could totally focus in on that voice and tune that one voice to be a mm-hmm. little bit louder at the moment. And sometimes I have to do that work. People are, like, talking to me, and it takes me a moment because, like, I'm in the corner of the office. Mm-hmm. And then, like, if I don't respond right away, they ask, they say it louder. But there are times that, like, I'm listening and I can hear just a faintly, you know, it's Chris back there. Like, that type of thing, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, so, like... So I I actually use that when I'm in like big group situations. So and Monday was a good example. We had um, seventy two kids come to work and we did a a steam project where we we helped them build windmills. That's which was really awesome. Cool. Yeah, I want to talk really to you about fun. that after. Sure. Um, so the idea is that so we do a lot of three D printing. So the idea is that they would test this with this like windmill kit, trying to figure out you know how many. Um, like how many blades on the windmill there should be? Should they be big? Should they be small? What shape should they be? Should they be sponge? Should they, like what angle? All this sort of stuff. And the idea is that they're going to go back to their class this week, and then they're going to design their own blades, and then give them to us. We're going to print them for them, and then we're going to bring them back, and then they're going to test how much wind energy they can generate with their their blades that we've printed for them. So that's very cool. Um, how yeah, what, what's really the cool. age? What's the age range? Third grade. That's cool for third graders. Yeah. What a cool concept. Yeah. So we had all of our, well, a lot of our engineers came in um, to help them, like, figure out what the best way to do it. And that's the cool. scientific method. It was really fun. That See, but, that's what know, needs to be done. Yeah. You know, yeah. not not to step away from the book for, for a moment, but, like, mm-hmm. where I work, I went to a conference, and the first day, and I, it was Makerspace, so it was all things that were created. I know I sent you some pictures. There was a lot of music stuff. I even bought... It's a little kit. It's a theremin kit. I haven't put it together yet, and I plan on putting it together soon mm-hmm. so I can mess around with it while we're recording and playing live. But <laughs> the whole day was was focused on these kids, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. It was beautiful. And what I loved even more about it is the diversity in the kids. Mm. There was never any question of who the kid was. Mm-hmm. There was never, and, and I bring this up specifically to make a point, there was never any question of their gender, there was never any question of their culture, there wasn't any yep. question of anything, mm-hmm. right? No one walked up to a table and was like, oh, I can't talk to this person. It was just, that's cool, that's awesome, and it was mm-hmm. it was such a beautiful day to see all that done, and yep. I'm hoping to bring that to where I work um, and I'm working on it for next year. I have a, a demo event I'm trying to work on and I'm hoping at the end of the year to create this event where we can bring in some kids from the districts and they can share the stuff that they did over the school year. Cause mm-hmm. I think that that's important. Yeah. You know, sure. and, and offer the range of, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't care what you're showing. And that's essentially what I saw on that day. It, like there was a, a couch on a remote control cart and they were giving love seat rides to people. Mm-hmm. They had, you know, the typical like uh, the the robots, the 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 ro- the the oh my god, the the show that's on TV. You know, what I'm oh the BattleBots, BattleBots, that BattleBots. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. A few musicians. Some had electronic music. Some showed how the the current electricity can be volume for a guitar. Um, then someone made actually foot pedals of a, a, on a key. Like it was just all that cool stuff. Then they had, you know, three D printing all stuff. So it was just. It's very cool. So to see to have that come together, mm-hmm. and to to have the third—that's very cool. I'm curious yeah. to to know what happens. 
Yeah. Um, so the reason I, I bring it up yeah. is, you know, me in a big crowd like that, I'm a very uncomfortable in that, that sort of interacting it. with all these people. So what I was doing is, as a meditation, I guess, is focusing on sounds that were far away. Okay. To, you know, kind of quiet my mind down. Right. So, you know, and, and when you're having 72 kids yelling and screaming and all this, you know, bustling activity, trying to center yourself or center myself really and focus on that one thing, you know, trying to turn up the volume of something that is quiet in the distance was what I was focusing on most of the day. And and that's interesting because that's a very, that's a great way to kind of help yourself refocus and get mm-hmm. yourself center, centered in that moment. Yeah. I, and that's one of the meditations I do focuses on sound. That's awesome. That's one of the, one of the, one of the ways that's because... For me, getting back to the meditation yeah. stuff, like a lot of people focus on breath um, with the meditation. My brain is so screwed up that when I focus on breath, sometimes it goes, "Hey, guess what? If you don't breathe, you're gonna die." And I go, "Oh, that's not very, very peaceful <laughs> and calming." So you know, I, I have a touch meditation that I do. I have a sound meditation that I do. But that's that's awesome. Um, I, I the breathing kind of, works for me. But that's awesome mm-hmm. that you have those others. Yeah, I'm gonna take it to the opposite end with a group of kids. So I think it's funny you brought that up. Um, when I was, uh, when I was, uh, on a leave replacement, I was in a school district and I had, was in bounce between fourth and fifth grade kids. Uh, and there was probably like 20, I was, it was a very, it was one of those schools, public schools that actually had like 20 kids in a class, which was pretty impressive. Um, now before I did this, I definitely made sure that there wasn't anybody that had, you know, an audio device that required me to wear like so, so no kid mm-hmm. in the classroom required audio devices. So this is why I was able to do this. Sometimes the kids were loud, right? So what I did was because there were times that I had to teach lessons or they had to do some work or whatever, I told them I said, I'm going to put the music on. I and I put like classical music or something that ha- was instrumental. And I said, if you're louder than the music, you're too loud. If you cannot mm-hmm. hear the music, you're too loud. So what would happen is, is I'd put the music on at a decent, it wasn't a crazy loud level, but a decent level, and they'd be too loud. So I'd lower the music. And they would lower their voices. But then they'd get too mm-hmm. loud again. So I'd lower the music. It got to the point where the music was bare, like just audible, and it was silence in the room. Mm-hmm. And I used that dynamic to help them real like i didn't yell at them i didn't tell them they were wrong i didn't do any of that stuff i just used the dynamic of music to bring the volume of the class chatter down mm-hmm. and then when they realized it that they can listen to the music and do their work it was fine yep you know and so it's it's very interesting how you use your meditation technique to help you through that moment because 72 kids whether they're jumping in joy they're jumping for mm-hmm. joy because of what they're doing it's still a loud noise <laughs> Yeah, that's a yeah. lot to take in. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Um, so that we talked about, and then, and then he talks about Curtis Mayfield a little bit more down towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, "This this is why I like using Curtis Mayfield for this exercise. You know, this whole vibration thing. If you notice, he plays quietly, but with a, quietly, but with a lot of intensity." And he states that there are not many artists who can do that. Most artists think the louder they play, the more emotion there is. And that, that's very true, I think. I don't mm-hmm. think that's a made-up statement at all. I think that's a very true no. statement. Um, and Michael states that it's actually the other way around. Um, if you have enough emotion in it, I'm paraphrasing, if you have enough emotion in it, you can use less intensity and still 
get people to listen. And I think and at that point, this is the first time that Victor says, okay, I totally get you now. Like, I get it. But I yeah. think it's interesting he had to do the practice of using his hands for the vibrations to understand what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let you continue. So I don't have much um, for a while, but they go through this exercise of, of turning on a metronome and putting on like background noise and using that as a way similar to what I was talking about where you try to focus on you know, one sound and try to turn the volume of that up while you turn the volume of everything else down and try to focus on that one thing. So they did that. Victor tried to play it along with the metronome and then they kind of shifted the the notes around, um, the beat around. And then... Um, did he turn the beat around? Yes. Did he turn it upside down? He did. He yeah. did. <laughs> Several times. Um... And at one point, Victor says, "In order to stay in time, I had to force myself to play to my force myself to base my solo on the groove, not notes or techniques." Right. So, and at the end of this, Michael praises him for doing such a great job with it because mm-hmm. he was able to adjust his hearing dynamics quickly enough while soloing and getting himself, um, you know, so in tune with the with the beat that he was always on it, even if it was turned off. Yep. Which he does a lot in his playing. Mm-hmm. Like live in America, there's one track where like, there's a few moments where he's like, I don't even need to, they don't even, I don't have to send an email. I don't have to, you know, like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they just all yep. come together. Yep. Um, yep. I don't, I don't have much after that because he talks about getting a gig and how he yep. wants to hear Michael playing and he gets the gig with my, Michael so he mm-hmm. starts to to perform with Michael. Yep. Um, oh, I did mark something here because we we've been bringing it up. So Michael leaves the house, and he states, "I battled with the anxiety I was feeling." Mm. So for most of this, we knew he had anxiety. He doesn't, mm-hmm. and I bring this up because I think it's of importance because a lot of this book I think was written out of his anxiety. Um, and what he was processing and how he was trying to figure out what this is just my interpretation of the book. I'm not saying that this is the true case of it, but I get the impression that when he wrote this book, he was going through this journey. He was trying to really figure it out and he was dealing with anxiety. And I love the fact that he mm-hmm. states, I battled with my anxiety and he goes, he was both excited and nervous about playing a gig alongside Michael, mm-hmm. which I think I thought was, was very interesting. And I don't, do you get nervous when you play gigs? I know you talk about that you're not nervous when you're on stage and you're you're okay when you play an instrument and you could be in a group, whatever. But like, mm-hmm. is there a nerve going into onto the stage? I don't know that it's nerves or, but but it's definitely anxiety. But okay. it's more I want to get going. You know, okay, I want to start. I want to go now. Okay, like this, okay, that's fair. It's you know, and and one of the things that I struggled with as a as a church musician, you know, playing multiple services in a day. You know, I play like a nine o'clock service, be over at ten. My next service is like eleven thirty. You know, just just the sitting there and waiting to let's, let, let's go. I okay, want, I'm 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 in the zone. I want to go. Like, so it's more of an you know, anxiousness to, of starting versus yeah, the anxiousness of yeah. actually playing. Yeah. Okay. I I think oh that makes sense. I I still get a nervousness in performing, and I and I'm trying to learn how to to get past that. It's more of a uh, I just want to do good and not. Mm-hmm. It's more of a, 
I want that moment that the people that are listening to me perform enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. So, okay, forget about it being good, just that it's enjoyable. Because yeah. as we know, there could be a mistake here or there, and it can still be good. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. It's just, you know, I'm going out there, I'm going to entertain, I'm going to make these people feel good for an hour or whatever. So mm-hmm. that's where my anxiousness lies. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I always work on on trying to get past that, so I don't even have that out in front of me. Yeah, because that because I think then what happens is you focus too hard on what you're doing, right. and that mistake will happen. Yeah, you know, my my high school director was was big on this, and my college professor I think said it best. He said, "If you're thinking about being nervous, you're thinking about the wrong thing." You mentioned that before in the podcast, and I totally agree with you. Yeah, you know, and are are you thinking about making the people enjoy what you're doing? You're thinking about the wrong thing. Right. Right. You know? No, that's good. That's a good point. That's a very valid point. So um so they move forward, they talk about the gig, they get to the gig. You know, mm-hmm. he's in, you know, these are people that uh that Victor has played with in the past and yep. you know, they they're just catching up. And there's a moment where <laughs> Yep, the moment. Huh? <laughs> the moment. The moment. There's a moment where Victor takes out his bass to start. I'm talking about before the band plays. Is that what you're yes. thinking? Okay. Where Victor yep. takes out his bass and starts. He gets ready to, you know, warm up his fingers because mm-hmm. the saxophonist is, you know, religiously going through his scales. Yep. And Michael, with his eyes closed, turns to Victor and says, uh, No, Victor goes to Michael and goes, Don't you need to warm up? Do you? He replied, looking up at me. Yes, I do. How long you been playing? He asked. About 12 years or so. And Michael says, and you're not warmed up yet? I want to be ready for tonight's gig, Victor says. It's important to me. And then Michael says something that I think just kind of like shocked me because I never thought about it this way. And I know mm-hmm. exactly what he, what he means by writing this. I've been warming up my whole life for this gig. Michael explained with his eyes still closed. It's an important one for me also. All the previous gigs were just rehearsals for tonight. It all leads to now. And Mm -hmm. I sat there and I'm like, that is so true. Every Mm -hmm. gig that you do is just a warm-up for the next gig. It could potentially be your last gig. Fine. Mm -hmm. But it's so true. Like Everything we've done before has been a warm-up. Because anything you learn in that moment... Whether it's the actual song, whether it's how to deal with the situation, whether it's a getting past the mistake, whatever the case may be, is a warm up for the next thing that you do. Yep. And I'm like, that's such a good life lesson. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's such a good life lesson. That that yep. stood out to me. Uh, I have one other thing lined up after that, but I don't know what you have to add. Um, yeah, I was going to say, so, so there's an interaction with the saxophone player as well. Those saxophones. And those people I know, are just they're all horrible. Can't Go stand that. <laughs> and uh, you know the, the saxophonist says to Michael, you know, I don't want you warming up on on my time while we're playing the gig. And Michael says, you're warming up with your fingers because that's all you use when you play. I can already hear it. Me, I use my mind. We can compare notes after the gig if you want. You let me know. I'll be right here. <laughs> and it's <sighs> yeah. You have a long. How long of a drive to go to work? About 30 minutes. Okay, so I have about 35 to 45, depending on traffic, because I live on Long Island, and traffic can make your 15-minute compute three hours. Um, yep. <laughs> in the car, 
are you mentally preparing yourself for the day? Yes. So that 30 minutes you're spending mentally preparing yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about the work that you need to do, mm-hmm. but you're mentally preparing of how you're going to deal with the day. Yep. Your interactions that may occur and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's yep. what I read. When I read that, that's exactly what I thought. Yep. Because right now I don't have gigs. I mean, and when we do this, we don't really sit and practice or everything. We 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 right. say, hey, this is what we're going to do because we want it to be natural. We want it to be conversational. Right. And we say, hey, we're going to go through this chapter. Is there anything you want to add tonight? No. Okay, cool. But then if there's something is, then we just, we add it. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing with our live shows. We have a we have a plan of attack, but we also know that the live shows that we do can change within five minutes. Someone yeah. may bring something up and it may change the direction of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may play something that actually sparks something else. Like there's so many different right. things that occur in that situation. But when it comes to work, like my paying job, mm-hmm. in that 45 minutes, I same thing. I'm mentally preparing myself. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I, I speak to a coworker on the phone on the way in. But in most cases, I'm sitting there. I'm either listening to an audio book and I'm focusing on one thing so I'm not all over the mm-hmm. place. Yep. But like when I read that, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what I do when I go to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Oh, I just folded my page and now it's creased and my OCD is bothering me. <laughs> just give it away and buy another one. Oh, I will. So, <laughs> no, all my marks are in this one. I can't do that. <laughs> I did send someone a book this week. Nice. One of our listeners that um, they're daughter is graduating and they're choosing a school for music. Oh, you mentioned that in the live stream. Yeah, yeah, I sent it I sent it over to them, so I'm hoping they uh they enjoy it. Um nice. Uh, where are we? So we talked about him and the interaction with the saxophonist. Mhm. Right? And then they move on. And they talks about this so there's a whole situation with Michael playing and getting the attention of someone who's listening to the band. Because one of the things Victor says is he hates the fact, or he does, he dislikes the fact that when you're playing, people are not listening. They're they're drinking, they're eating, they're just not paying attention to the band in any way, shape, or form. And and Michael kind of pokes him and says, "Watch that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this happen, right?" And you just watch him. And at first, the guy's not listening. Then all of a sudden, Michael does something, and the guy turns around. And then he does it again, and the guy ended up getting up, grabbing the drink, and walks over in front of Michael. Michael sits down, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then Michael, you know, afterwards tells Victor that, oh yeah, that was all me. Yep. He's like, I didn't play loudly, I played softly, but he knew. Yep. He heard something, and he wanted to come over, mm-hmm. and I lowered my dynamics, but I played with more intensity. And he talks about that, and I right. and and it's so mm-hmm. brilliant too. Yeah. Which then leads I'm, into go ahead. Obviously, that that comes back in the second book. You know, that's that's a big part of the second book is yeah. calling people with music. Right, right. Um the the second book is intense. Yeah, it is. Like in a good way, but it's intense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I've listened to um I think I'm on like measure five or six. This is the second time I've done it because I started it and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna restart it, and I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is intense. Mm-hmm. Um and Michael just states he used dynamics. Yep. Right, so I don't know if you want to read. I, we want to read any lines. There's I underlined stuff for myself, but one of the yeah. things that um, he stated 
and he goes, the guy, the guy had no idea what attracted him to the stage. If he knew anything about our world of music, he would have noticed that what I did and would have paid direct attention to me. Mm-hmm. And skipping a little forward, and he goes, we are only dealing with music in this situation. Because the ability to use dynamics can be powerful. And it can be used for both positive and negative reasons. And Victor says he doesn't understand that. And, you know, he talks about how music is a powerful tool. Like, it can be used for many reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know if you have any more after that. I have nothing until after they make the saxophonist look good. Right. Okay. So they then uh, Victor talks about how he wants to to do something like that. So Michael gives him a way of uh, the saxophonist. They know the saxophonist is going to go solo. So Michael tells him how he can make the saxophonist stand out mm-hmm. and what he can do to create a pocket that mm-hmm. allows. Well, really, what he did was he, he he told Victor how to make the audience applaud. How to right. Essentially, musically, right. tell them to applaud. Right, exactly. Yes, yes. And what they did musically was they created a hole for the saxophonist right. to play in. Right. Um, so, right. and at the end of that, um, he says to to Victor, "You can take no credit for it on the inside, but on the outside, the credit goes to the soloist." In other words, you keep quiet about what you've done. This quiet world is the world you live in as a bass player, and there's there's a lot of beautiful parts to that. First off, the interaction that they had with the saxophone player before then, it was a it was not a great interaction, right? But at the same time, Michael made an attempt to make him stand out, right? You and, know, and which um, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then and then the other part of it is, you know, you think about you know doing something for other people. You know, and, and what a world we would live in if we lived like that, like, you know, trying to do stuff for other people. And we played the, um, we played Victor Wooten's um, commencement speech, was it two weeks ago? Yes. You know, and in that, in that, I've mentioned it before, he says, you know, it's it's okay to be selfish as long as you take others into account. Right. You know, and that's kind of the same way. Like, like, like he, he and Michael created that applause, but he did it with the the saxophonist in mind so he was while he was being selfish creating that applause for himself in a sense to prove that he could do it but he did it so the other person could benefit as well right and to someone who gave them negative energy prior to starting right which is 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 such a great way like it's indirectly saying yes you're gonna get negative energy it's how you deal with it Mm-hmm. You know, it's how you put it out there. And, you know, I it's one of the things I say about um, when I'm working. I, you know, we have we have some negative negative energy in there. And, I, you know, I speak to a couple of my colleagues and I'm like, just kill them with kindness. Because mm-hmm. you know what? By the end, at the end of the day, at least I know that I said and was nice to them the whole entire time. And I leave yep. feeling better. I may not be happy with the situation. I may not like the negativity. But I can't let it depict my day. I have every mm-hmm. right to walk away and take a moment and breathe and, and deal with it yeah. on a personal level. But I'm not going to let that change how I treat them. Mm. I could. I just make every interaction the worst interaction ever and ruin my day and ruin everybody else's day. But it's not worth it. Right. Yeah. It's not worth it. Um, 
so that that goes on talks about that and i like there's one part where he goes um okay so he felt that he owed it to you know owed it all to michael like it was because of michael and he goes mm-hmm. and michael goes 20 years from now he said this knowledge will be looked upon as your own therefore it should be looked upon as your own now like right now it should mm-hmm. be looked upon as your own i thought that was that's a very cool thing to say to think about mm-hmm. like yeah we may have talked about it i may have given you an idea but you made it happen so this is your own thing right yep you know right so uh this brings us towards the end of the chapter yeah i don't know if you have anything else i get nothing else in the chapter that was it okay the only thing i have is on the last page of the chapter um what is this oh they were talking about money because uh Michael got paid, but Michael left mm-hmm. before he took the money. So Victor took it to give to him. And mm-hmm. Michael was outside the car and Michael purposely left because he wanted Victor to take the money. Yep. And this is this I thought was very interesting. Like Victor's like, I can't take the money. And 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 uh Michael goes, Listen, at this point in my journey, music is life. Mm-hmm. Music is capitalized, life is capitalized. Yep. And I do not need money to play it or live it. Money is not something I play for anymore. I used it used to be at one time, but now I play for other reasons. Tonight I played for you, and mm-hmm. that way, and the way you played, you already play, paid me well. Like that, I thought was awesome. Yeah, like I would love to be at that point. No, I'm playing. I don't need mm-hmm. the money. This is just mm-hmm. I'm good. Unfortunately, I yep. need the money right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was good. It was uh, this was a long but good chapter. Yeah, and I thought about it at the end. It's a dynamic chapter. Mm, it is a dynamic chapter. If you think about it, mm. it starts off very kind of subtle, and at the end, it's intense mm. with everything that's going on. Yeah. So the dynamic of this chapter changes moving forward. And it I almost changes the chapters going forward. Yeah. Right? Which the next and chapter does introduce Sam. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. <laughs> there, you know what? I, 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 did, I reread this today, and there was one one thing that, I, that did stick out. Yeah. And I didn't talk about it. I skipped over it. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I've talked about you know, and I didn't think of dynamics this way. And obviously I did because I highlighted it. But it <laughs> you know, so uh, where is it? So anyway, I'll just I'll just talk about it. Sure. So, um, you know, we I talked, you know, about the the elements of music and that there are some elements that interact with others and there are others that kind of stand alone. I never really thought about how dynamics affect all the other elements right so there's a part where he says something like like you can have like you know dynamics is more like like the intensity of right you know phrasing or intensity of rhythm or intensity of i never thought of it that way obviously i did because i highlighted it but that part never stuck into my head until this reading you know and it's it's one of the things i like about this book is the more i read it the more i find stuff that go i need to keep that in my mind now too right you know I right. keep pulling one little thing here and there every time I read it. So right, and it's it's true. It's it, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I'm just trying to see if I can skim through and find it, but I know exactly yeah. the part you're talking about. It's it's true though. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's very true. And it's amazing how much they they talk about, like the way he approaches the the way he write, wrote the second book is actually very uh, interesting. Because you at first mm-hmm. think it's just going to be a repeat of this book. Right. But it's not. It's no, a completely it's different. There's mm-hmm. a lot of similarities, but there's reasons for the similarities. Right. And it's it's a very well put together book. Both mm-hmm. of them are, but Yeah. Very cool. Yep. I look forward to talking about Sam mm-hmm. in the correct chapter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a video of Sam. Do you really? I do. Is Sam a kid kid? Or is it Yes. Well, when he played with the Wooten brothers, he was a kid. Okay, so now he's older, I'm he sure. Was, yeah, now he's older. He's, I, I've got a video of him when he was like 12 or 13 playing with Reggie and Joseph and Roy. Okay. I think it was Roy playing the drums. but Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I have to look more into this because you said all these characters are real people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you read the book, you can't tell if they're real or not. Like, it doesn't, right. it doesn't, doesn't lend to that. Mm-hmm. But the way he talks about them, they feel very real. Yep. It's just the way he shares the story. They they seem like one person, right? Which lends to music and music being mm-hmm. one entity. Yep. So it's uh, it's making me think in ways I did not expect to think. <laughs> I have. Nothing more to share about this chapter. I have dog hair in my glasses and it's itching my nose. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> and you saw both of us like turn away from the mic multiple times because of the, <laughs> if you're watching it, because of the fact that we're both like coughing or doing whatever and we don't want to get it on the mic. Yeah. So um, remember just, you know, every week these episodes are coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week will be uh, the episode. Next will be Measure Seven, which, as we said, introduces Sam. Um, every Friday night, Kyle goes live um, and shares. Sometimes he shares a full album. Most of the time, he shares a full album, mm-hmm. or he finds new artists and he shares new artists, like new artists to him, someone that he may have not right. heard before. Uh, every Sunday, and that's at eight o'clock on Fridays. Every Sunday at seven thirty, we both go live. Um, typically right now we're playing Victor Wooten's albums, but one weekend we did, um, uh, you know, in memory of Harry Belafonte and, uh, the past weekend we played, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, music from Gordon Lightfoot. Um, Mm -hmm. so for us, it's important to share that out because a lot of these older musicians that we know are at that age and, you know, it's, it's like that one year that david bowie passed and we lost like five million musicians that were shouldn't Mm -hmm. have gone you know um so please join us on those live shows they're on twitch uh and kyle puts everything in the show notes thank you kyle and um we do have youtube so you have listened to this episode and i'm sure you listen to the other ones if you want to see us in person uh starting with episode four we are in person the Episodes one, two, and three of this season are static pictures just because it was something that came about later on. So if you want to see what we look like and the funny things we do on camera, please watch. Uh, we have shorts that are going up there, not like mm-hmm. apparel, like actual video shorts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Salute your shorts. Um, and then 
And um, look out for some meditation stuff. I think that's something Kyle and I are going to talk about. Mm-hmm. We have something coming up where we're going to try to do an episode that's kind of um, guided by part, uh, listener participation. And Kyle, still, Kyle and I still have to talk about that a little bit. So, um, you know, follow our socials from the links in the show notes so you can learn more about that. And now, what? Just read the closing notes? Yeah. All right. You can do that. Huh? Do I read it? I read it. No, I'm I'm doing it this week. Oh, nice. Good. Good. You got one more week off after this. Huh? You got one more week after this. Okay. Off. And then you're back on. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. How's the harmonica play going? Good. (laughs) Yes, that is Kyle on harmonica at the beginning and the end of the episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Do I do I have it here? Because <laughs> oh, our oh, previous season we had no intro. No, we didn't. So now we have, um, you know, a little harmonica playing by Kyle. Mm-hmm. Kyle yep. harmonica, harmonica Kyle. We have mm-hmm. to find a nickname for you. Kamara. Ka- no, that doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, why don't we just say, say goodbye and, and leave it <laughs> thank you everyone for listening to this yep. episode measure six of the music lesson by victor Wooten. we hope you join us next week for measure seven yep we'll see you next time thanks guys thank you thank you for listening to the turn on the music podcast we hope that you join us next week click on the link tree in our show notes to follow us on twitter and instagram you can also subscribe to our twitch and youtube channel If you'd like to continue the conversation, join us on our Discord. If you like what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you really want to help us promote the show, head over to Apple Podcasts or the podcast service of your choice and give us a five-star rating. Remember, always share the music.